So, you know what? Manny and his wife are like family. You know, Manny's always encouraging me, and he's just an amazing guy. And it's just awesome always to, to be able to come back here and, and speak, and the doors open for me. And um, it's, 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 my, it's a privilege for me to even be here in the church, because as you guys know, uh, the majority of my ministry, if you don't know, is out in the streets. So over 90% of it is out there. So when I get to resurface and come into the church and, and, and share and just it's, just, it's just a cool thing. It's like Jesus is the model. Like the most of his ministry, he was in the Sea of Galilee, uh, which was called the Sea of the Gentiles because it was all the non-Jews, the non-religious. And uh, that's where he spent the majority of his time, believe it or not. But then he would surface in the temple here and there and, and, and break open the scriptures and, and share. And so that's my model. I, just, I literally just read the Bible. I just believe what it says. I believe you can do everything that's in there. And by through the, through, you could do it through the work of the Holy Spirit that allows you because God's spirit, Jesus Christ's spirit is in us, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says you will do greater things than I have done as we are vessels or weapons. I like that, Dan Manny. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, for the Lord as we are in his hands and he uses us to get his job done. And that's the whole thing with all of us. We're able to do his work as he leads and guides. Um, before we get this party started, um, I do, oh, again, a little bit of feedback here. What I would like to say is uh, if you guys are all familiar with the Bible app, you know, on your, on your app store, it's brown and it says Holy Bible. Well, if you go to it and you type in Ryan Reese or Kill the Noise, I did a seven-day devotion that came out not too long ago. Actually, right when the book came out, May 11th. So if you download that, it's free, and it gives you a seven-day devotion. It's not the book, but it's um, the same concept of killing the noise, but it's limited uh, to the Bible app. And in, in next week, I'm dropping, I'm doing the whole book of uh, the Gospel of John, devotions, chapter by chapter. So chapter one of Gospel of John will drop next week on the Bible app. And I'm, then Sonny, lead singer from POD, and a couple weeks after that, he's going to do a three-day devotion for his song, Alive, which, you know, that one song that everyone knows, Alive, he's going to do the devotion on those lyrics. So I haven't even seen it yet. I'm excited. I'm like, hook me up. Send me the sneak peek. You know, I haven't seen it yet either, but I'm excited. So it's all there. And then I came out with this book called Kill the Noise. And when we got locked down the pandemic is when I wrote it and finished it. Um, some people wasted a lot of time in the pandemic, and then a lot of people got very productive. Clearly, look at the paint job here. People got productive. This is the example of production. Um, so I wrote the book. And then when we were going on the second lockdown, I said, I'm not sitting home. We're out of here. I called the team. We went to Idaho. We toured Idaho. We went to Montana, which was, which was number one for suicide in the nation. And then it got to number two by five suicides when we got there. And then we went to um, Central America because this 13-year-old kid committed suicide, shot himself because he was getting bullied. So they called us to Central California and... God did great things there. The whole community came together and all kinds of people got saved. It was epic. In the middle of the pandemic, by the way. Um, then we went to Florida and we just have not, we haven't even stopped in the pandemic. The only time we got shut down and we were sitting around is when everyone thought it was the walking dead and people were going to be like turning into zombies. <laughs> COVID's serious. I think the, this, the worship leader, he almost died from it. Um, I've heard of people dying from it. It's a serious thing. A lot of my friends got it. Um, it's, it's a real thing, but for me, 
hearing the news, what was going on with the CDC, even now, suicide, overdose, depression has went up by three times. It was staggering before the pandemic. Now with kids, it's even crazier and, and people and spousal abuse went up and, and the issues in the homes went up and divorce went up. There has been serious, there is now serious side effects from what has happened over the nine months. And you're going to hear how the side effects even affected me in my life towards the end of this message. So um, the Kill the Noise book, this is, you can buy it anywhere where books are sold. Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble's, uh, uh, Amazon. It's, it's literally everywhere. It's with a huge publisher. Uh, they, a couple guys approached me to do my story, my testimony, and I said, I don't want to do my testimony. I want to do a, a life-building, faith-building, life-application, discipleship book. So whether you don't know God, maybe you've known God forever, wherever you're at in your, in your walk with God or no walk with God, that this book will speak to you. And I've had several people read it, um, then, and, and it's spoken to them. It doesn't matter if they're a pastor's wife or just some kid off the street. It's there. It's a tool that will literally just shake you up in a very good way and show you how to kill the noise. It's called Kill the Noise, Finding Meaning Above the Madness. Is that what it's called? I don't even know what it's called. Kill the Noise, Finding Meaning Above the Madness. Okay? <laughs> they had me at Kill the Noise. Oh, and by the way, note, I wrote this book for people that hate to read. Why? Because I hate to read. So you won't be able to put it down. It's very quick. It's very intense. And it's going to shake you up in a very good way. I have people that said they read it in one session. I'm like, how are you so smart? How do you do that? So, and it's an audio book for any of you guys that are like, I, don't, I am not going to read. But if it's an audio, I got you. So go, there you go. Go to uh, Amazon. It's, it's there. You can download it there on audio. All right. So let's get into it. So you guys excited? Yeah. Who's, who, who's, uh, who came expecting? Who's new here? Raise your hand. First time. Oh, all kinds of you. That's what's up. Well, this is an amazing church, amazing pastors, amazing people. Good things happen here. And God's going to do good things tonight. Everywhere we've been going, the Spirit has been moving and touching people's lives individually. I guarantee you. I can see there's the Holy Spirit again, choking me up. I guarantee you, and that's just confirmation. I guarantee you that God will touch your life somehow tonight. Because he's a, he's a God and he touches us individually. But the way God touches our life is we have to be able to open our heart. So I would highly suggest that you kill the noise now during this session. Like, don't get caught. Don't worry, I got babies. It's all good. <laughs> It's all good. I understand. I'll be pulling my other legs. Or not babies, but my, my five-year-olds. Um, but you know what? I would not pay attention to the phone right now. Literally kill the noise and just listen to what is about to go down in here tonight. Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And he will speak to you individually if you could just kill the noise for a moment and hear what he has to say to your heart. Because this message is going to be potent. I think this is one of the gnarliest messages God's given me so far. And gnarly in a good way. Because as Christians, we want God to speak to us. We want conviction. Conviction is a good thing. 
Condemnation is what Satan does. It's like, oh, you're a horrible Christian. You're a no good mom. You're no good dad. You're just, you stink at life. Just don't even worry about this whole Christian thing. It's useless. We are Christians. We are under construction. First of all, this is a hospital. I just want to set the tone. This is a hospital. We're all here. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. We're all your pastor sinners. But what happens is we're saved by grace and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we transform. So we aren't that old person that we were before. God says that he makes all the old things pass away and everything becomes brand new. There's a transformation process. It's called sanctification. I talk about it in the book. It's where you were. It takes you from the darkness and puts you in the light. But there's this process that takes place. And we have to trust the process. We can't get discouraged. We're like a baby. We start, we start crawling. We start walking. We fall over. We get back up. We trip. We get back up. We, that's our Christian walk. It's a journey. And we got to work out our faith with fear and trembling. And we got to keep our eyes on the prize and do not quit and God is faithful he's going to speak to you he's going to clean you up you're going to trip up you're going to go back to your old sins for a second and then you're going to repent he's going to clean you and he's going to keep pushing you forward by the power of the Holy Spirit so we're going to get into this message today this message is about John the Baptist it's the what you're going to see is you're going to see the effects on one's life that is sold out for Christ that decided to kill the noise in his life and to wait to hear God's voice and when to go. And when he went, God used him in a very powerful way. Now, I'm not saying that we're all John the Baptist. The, the thing is, the Bible talks about we're all different parts of the body, right? So some are the toes, some are the hands, some are the eyes, some are the ears, some are the arms, whatever it is. We're all the bodies of Christ. And God uses us individually wherever we're at. So some are attorneys, some are doctors, some are school teachers, some are working at In-N-Out Burger, which is my favorite burger you know, spot. And uh, you know, we're all in different places, but God uses us in those places for divine appointments. And it's not like you have to be going around hitting everyone over the head with the Bible and Jesus and you're a dirty sinner and, you know, you need God and going to hell. You know, that never really works too well. Um, But people should be able to see that you're a Christian just by your life. There's these guys I've been working with recently and they're like, we never heard you cuss. I'm like, because you haven't made me mad enough yet. (laughs) But my point is, which is true. No, my point is. There's like, there's something different about you, right? And I was like, really? I'm like, that's what they're seeing. These guys, that's like weird to them that I don't cuss with them, right? And I, th- I was like, wow, that's, that's cool. And that's the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Because the F word was in like every single one. It's like at least 10 times I'd say one sentence. It'd be like mixed up in there 10 times. But God touched my life one day and just removed it. And I was tripping out. It's in my book. I was like shocked. Like I don't say the F word all the time anymore. <laughs> Some of you can relate to that, I know. Don't I? You're like, I know, I know. Okay, so John the Baptist, his story is on all four Gospels, okay? So it's important. Jesus wanted to know about it. God has been silent for 400 years since the last book of the Old Testament in Malachi. He has not spoke to his people since then, and the religious system is broken. The Pharisees and Sadducees, God put those people, they were like the priests or the pastors of that time, to oversee God's people and to build them up. Like our pastor here is to train you in the scriptures, to be there, to pray with you, disciple them, and grow them in the most holy faith. But they become corrupt at that time, and it was just a messed up system at that time. John and Je- John is Jesus' cousin. He was the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant. He was the forerunner for the King Messiah, 
Jesus, King Jesus, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was in tune with God, and he knew the call that God put on his life. He didn't fit into the mold of the church or become institutionalized by church or church traditions. Sometimes you get saved, and then all of a sudden you become institutionalized by the church, and you're like, okay, this is Christianity. I go to church twice a week. I serve here, and this is my bubble in a sense. But what happens is when you go to the, the Bible, this, first of all, this is where you get disciples, okay? Jesus gave the Great Commission. Go, um, go out. Uh, I can't even think about the Great Commission now. He's, Jesus said to go out and make disciples of the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey my commandments. That's the church. Obey my commandments. You disciple them. But he also says go out to the nations. You got to go out out and reach people, baptize them, and bring them in. But what happens is sometimes we get reached, we come here, we get stuck. And we get big, fat off the word of God, and we're like, and all of a sudden you become like Bible scholars, which is all great. But you never even use it. You just get stuck here, and oh yeah, this and that. and But those guys out there, what the heck are they doing? They're doing it wrong, and then meanwhile you're just sitting here doing nothing. Right? It's a, it's a problem. That's why Jesus gave us the Great Commission twice. I was with the Billy Graham, director of the Billy Graham Association. I said, man, what is wrong with the, I'm so mad at the church. He's like, Ryan, you're not mad at the church. I said, yeah, I am. He says, you're not mad at the church. He's like, you're mad at the institution of the church. Because people get stuck and they don't go out and reach people. And I said, yeah, I'm mad at the institution of the church. Not the church, because we are the church. We are the body of Christ. So let us not get institutionalized. Did you know back in the 60s that, or 50s or 40s, around my grandma's times, if you played electric guitar in the church or drums, that was from the devil? Some of the older folks know. That, that is the institution of the church. Let us not become institutionalized. And who's the model? Read Jesus. Read about the disciples. Just read the scriptures and see what they did. They were not institutionalized. The religious leaders, they were driving the religious leaders crazy. Do what Jesus did. Drive drive them crazy. Go out and love people, pray for people, share the gospel, be there for people, and you will see your life will grow in the spirit, and you will see God move. And it's exciting. That's what's exciting is Christianity is living it out. So it says this. Um, John the Baptist was a PK, or he was the, basically son of a priest, and he was in line to be a priest in the temple in Jerusalem, the mega church of mega churches. But he wasn't down with that kind of religion. So he left the city and he went to the desert to kill the noise. Now, in my book, I talk about me killing the noise. When I want to go on a fast for like two days or three days or whatever, and I need to hear God's voice about a serious thing in my life. Like, literally, I'm like, God, oh, should we have kids? Or God, should I leave my job? Or God, should I do this? Whatever, something gnarly in my life, I go on a fast where like I don't eat and for a couple days or a day, and then I go to Joshua Tree, and I park in the park, and I walk out where no one's at, and I walk out far, like yards, you know, a couple, three football fields, and I try to find some rocks that I can actually climb, that I'm not, if I fall, I won't die in the desert. So I try, I go up like four or five stories, but I try to find a smooth way where, again, where I won't die if I fall. And I sit up there, and there's no reception at all on your cell phones, but I do hit airplane mode because I want to kill the noise, and I want to hear God's voice. So at that point, my body appetites are dead. 
I'm not feeding myself. So now the spirit arises and I'm sitting out there and I'm worshiping. I'm talking to God. I'm singing worship songs. I'm reading my, my Bible app because it's all downloaded. And I'm just hearing what God says. And during that time of me fasting, God will speak to me audibly out there or he'll speak to me on the way home or whatever. But every time when I fast and I kill the noise and I'm desperate for God, he is faithful and he answers me. And sometimes it's at the 11th hour, but he answers me. So John the Baptist was left the city and he was out in the desert. He had a relationship with God through reading the scriptures of the Old Testament, fasting, praying. He was a Nazarite. Nazarites back then, basically they wouldn't cut their hair. And they didn't touch anything from the vine. No grapes, no raisins, no alcohol. Now, what's interesting is Samson was a Nazarite as well. Remember, he had seven locks, but he was the opposite. He liked to drink and party and hook up with girls. Remember? That was his problem. So this guy, he was a Nazarite, but he didn't do it. And he was one of the most powerful Old Testament prophets that God used in a powerful way to, to enter, to make the, clear the path for Jesus to come. Now, why didn't he touch anything from the vine, the alcohol and stuff? Because I truly believe that when you drink a beer, what happens is it's like we're antennas, right? Because if we have the Holy Spirit in us and we're trying to pick up signals from the power from heaven, the Holy Spirit, right? Or I call it the most hi-fi, to get connected to the most hi-fi, what happens is when you drink a beer, it's like it cuts the connection. It gets spotty. Like when I'm trying to download a photo or get an email and I'm in a spotty connection with a janky Wi-Fi, the photo won't download and I can't get the, can't get the signal correctly. So what happens is when you start drinking and stuff or anything that will get your mind off of God and cloud the connection just almost like a hose, just like pornography or or. Uh, emotional relationships with girls or drugs or sex, whatever stuff, sin that enters your life, what it does is the power from heaven is this hose or this Wi-Fi or most hi-fi, and it comes down. What happens is with sin, it starts clogging the hose, and it starts breaking the connection. So for us, what we need to do is we need, like John the Baptist is for me, I personally chose, personally in my life, like I want to be full send for Christ. I don't want anything to break that connection. I want that powerful G5 connection if possible. So when God wants to speak to me, I can hear his voice and there's nothing clouding the, the airwaves or breaking the connection, any of that noise that could literally ruin the connection from hearing God's voice. So here's John. He's in the, de- in the desert fasting, praying and waiting to hear God's voice. He lived off the land. He was unorthodox. He was radical in his approach in ministry. His message was straight to the point. Repent and be baptized and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. He was on bold and on fire for God. Jesus said in John 5.35, John was like a burning and shining lamp. John was killing the noise in the desert and not distracted by the cares of the world. There were the shiny objects that Satan likes to hook us up with and get us off course from the call that God has called us to. Now, I have a chapter in my book called Shiny Objects, and it's about Satan, Lucifer, sun in the morning star. Satan was the most shiny object ever. It talks about it in, his, in, in Isaiah that he was set in gold. 
He was created with wisdom and the most beautiful creation God has ever created. He had all these rubies and diamonds and stones set in him and the most pure gold. And it says that he would be hanging out at the throne of God, the, the, the mountain of fire. Imagine him next to God's presence in gold with diamonds and God's glory shining off him. And they believe that he was the worship leader in heaven. And he's singing, doing his thing. And he's next to God and all the angels are seeing him. And it just went to his head because he got prideful. But now remember, Satan, Jesus has called us to be fishermen, but Satan is the master fisherman. Satan is such a good fisherman that he actually convinced angels that were in God's presence in heaven, known and seeing God, convinced them to follow him. And he ended up starting a rebellion in heaven, and he took one-third of the angels to follow him, and they got cast out, like it says in Luke to heaven and what satan wants to do mr shiny object himself lucifer son of the morning star what he has is a massive tackle box with all kinds of different lures and what he wants to do is he wants to cast these lures out and he wants to hook you and trip you up so what happens is us as christians if satan could just hook us up with a lure a shiny object some kind of sin in our life and get us off course. Like if we follow God, it says that his, his word is a lamp to our feet. That means if you are in tune with God, piggybacking off the power, getting the signals, and you're walking with God, God will get you to where you're going to go in life. But Satan wants to hook us, and he wants to get us off course. And if he could just get us off course, like when I caught that marlin in South Africa, I got this hooked this marlin in for three or four hours. He was jumping around. We couldn't ever reel him in, but what did I do? I got him off course from the direction that he was going. I disrupted his life. And in the same way, but what happened with that Marlin, it ended up breaking free and getting away. And through God's grace, sometimes if we are hearing from God and we're not caught up in sin and distracted by the shiny objects, we are able to break away and get set free from the stuff. Now, remember, when you're a fisherman and you go to fish different areas, you have fly fishing, you have deep sea fishing, you have freshwater, you have like ice fishing. There's all these different kinds of lures. And what Satan will do, master fisherman, he will keep casting all these different kinds of bait out in front of you because to trap you. And if he could get 10 different lures in you or more, he wants to get you so entangled with sin so basically, you're just trapped and you can never break free. And we know the wages of sin leads to death. Now, if we can't break free and he ends up reeling us in, what does he want to do? At the end of the day, he wants to basically kill us. Because the scripture says, Jesus actually says, the enemy, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give life abundantly. So Satan's not interested in catch and release. He wants to get you. He wants to kill you. He hates your guts. He wants to be caught up in fear, depression, suicide, pornography, confused about your sexual identity. He just wants you to be in stress and confused and in bondage and a slave to him. That's all he wants to do. Shiny objects. He lived, John the Baptist lived off the land. He was unorthodox. He was radical in his approach in ministry. His message was straight to the point. Repent and be baptized and turn to God. The kingdom of heaven is near. He was on bold and on fire for God. Jesus said in John 5.35, John was like a burning and shining lamp. John's message was straight. Uh, John was killing the noise in the desert. Oh, did I already read that? I already read that. I'm sorry. John waited on God's uh, John waited on God for the game plan, direction, and perfect timing for an uncommon revival with the common people. He was around 30 years old when he started his public ministry. He was in tune to the Holy Spirit and listening for God's voice and seeking his will. 
Luke 3, verse 2 to 3 says, At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they have repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. John's message was repent. Jesus' message was repent. Peter's message was repent. And Paul's message was repent. That was the first words that came out of their mouths when they showed up in the scriptures. John's, message, John's ministry was short-lived and a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Now in Matthew Chapter 3, it says, In those days John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness, and he began preaching. And he began preaching. Now, in those days, in what days? When he was 30 years old, and he was killing the noise, and he was waiting to hear God's voice, and God spoke. So he went, and he began preaching. He's preaching the good news that the king is coming, right? Now, the Judean wilderness where he was at, where I was actually at um, a while ago, is when you go to Jerusalem, there's like this green water um, Jordan River, where if you go to get baptized, where you see all the photos, that's not where John the Baptist was. That's more of the tourist spot in the city in, in Jerusalem. But where John the Baptist was, he was actually out in the wilderness. When they say wilderness, it's the desert. And they just opened it up actually recently, about four years ago, and it's full of mines actually because of the war. But they opened it up. There's like a section, and the water's actually brown. And you go out there, and our tour guide said, guys, this right here where John the Baptist was, was a major highway. When you look at the map, you have, you have Europe, you have Asia, you have Israel where John the Baptist was, and then you have Africa. So people were doing import and export up and down. And when you're in the desert, where do you want to be? Right next to the water. That's why it says John the Baptist went from, from each side of the river. So basically, if he was here today... In, in L.A., he would be right in the middle of the 110, the 5, the 60, the 101, right where they all meet, the 10 free, right where they all meet, a major highway where John the Baptist was. And he was there, and he was preaching, and people were repenting, and he was baptizing. So then it goes on to say this. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What is repent? I hated that word, Right? I think maybe I hated it because I'd go to concerts or raves or metal shows or wherever I was at. And you'd always see these people on the corner and there are these signs that says, repent, God hates you. Repent, you're going to go to hell, right? It's like, was John out there yelling, repent, you're going to go to hell, God hates you. You know, that never works. I asked him, how many people have got saved through this? None today. <laughs> you're not a Christian. Why are you here? I'm like, oh, I'm not a Christian now. Okay, thank you. I didn't know. Okay, so you're, you're going to judge me that I'm not a Christian now. Okay, so that doesn't work. What, what, what is repent? How does it even happen? When I was in that hotel room in Panama City the night I gave my life to the Lord, nine days of cocaine and Xanax and alcohol, I OD'd. Boom, came out of it by God's grace because my parents prayed. I came out, and I realized I was at that place in my life when I said, you know what? Even though I had the amazing job, successful with money and all that stuff, all the shiny, <laughs> shiny objects for days, right? But I realized at that point that I was like I had a drug problem. I had an alcohol problem. So the beginning of repenting, what does it mean? A confession. We have to confess. Dude, it was the hardest thing for me to go to the professional skateboard team because I used to manage a professional skateboard team, if you didn't know that. I went to them and I said, I have an alcohol and drug problem. But it got stuck. Like I had a, it was like stuck. Dude, to confess. But when I confessed, it was like freedom. I have a drug problem. Freedom. 
I have an alcohol problem. Freedom. And like this heaviness was lifting off me. I repented. Then I went to my hotel room and I said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I confessed my sins. I repented. Repented means basically to kill the noise on the shiny objects. The lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. I basically repented. In a, another way of saying repent is basically if the Bible says the wages of sin lead to death, that's like me going off a cliff. I'm driving my car and I know I'm going to go off this cliff I'm going to die basically because of my sin I'm all tangled up what do I want to do if I instead of going that direction I need to just basically flip a u-turn I just got to flip a U-E and go this to God so what is repentance flip a U-E what do we do when we flip a U-E we change the direction of our heart and our mind and we say God I'm not going to go that way anymore I'm going to go to you. I'm under construction. I don't have it figured out. God, deal with it. Here's my baggage. And what happens is I flipped to Yui, and I stole the Bible from a hotel <laughs> in the Sheraton Hotel, and I read it for six hours straight, and my life started changing. So what is repenting? Flip a Yui. So his message was repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So if I was John the Baptist and I was here today, what would I say? Or what would he say? Hey, this is how John the Baptist probably went down. He, he's like, hey, man, if, if you're watching porn, dude, like, stop watching porn. Like, God loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to feel you. He wants to cleanse you so you don't feel shame and dirt. And you, you're, you're, you're watching this stuff in the eye of the light. The eye is like a light to the body. It's like garbage in, garbage out. You got a wife. You're cheating on her just by watching this stuff. God's going to forgive you instantly. You don't have to worry about your past. He's got you. He loves you. He's going to cleanse you. Hey, if you're, if you're having an emotional relationship with a girl right now and you're and cheating on your wife or, or maybe you're sleeping with your girlfriend, like, dude, stop doing it. Like, stop doing it. God loves you. He's going to forgive you. Hey, maybe you're confused about your sexual identity and men and men are sleeping together or girls and girls are sleeping together or whatever. Hey, God loves you and Maybe you're confused because things have happened in your life. I've had a lot of, I have a lot of gay friends and, 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 and transgender friends and, and um, lesbian friends. And, and some have come to the Lord, some have not. But what, what I've seen in this community is that there's a lot of brokenness. There's molestation. There's, there's like abuse at home, f- missing the father, missing the mother. There's, these, these are the stories of my friends. And how, and they're like, Ryan, this is what has happened to me and this is where I'm at. And now with this whole, you know, all the pride month and everything that's going on, uh, Jesus warned us about this stuff, guys. He says it's going to be like the days of Noah and, and Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and, you know, this isn't surprising. Um, but guess what? God loves the homosexual community. God loves the murderers. God loves the liars. God loves the fornicators. God loves the, the, the porn addicts. God loves the drunkards, the drug addicts, the prostitutes. Guess what? That's who he kicked it with when he was here. He loves them to death of the cross. He loves them so much. And that's why he died on the cross for their sins. He loves them and we need to love them and we shouldn't judge and we should help come around them and, and be there to, to walk through. You go talk to anyone. You just got to go sit down. It's not about hitting people over the head with the Bible. It's about like, what's your name? Let's have a conversation. Let's talk through this because when you get to the heart issue of Anything, a drug addict, they're trying to numb pain. If whatever it is, it has to do with the heart. There's a brokenness in the heart, and this is the, the response of the brokenness. So don't judge a book by its cover. Get in, hear the heart, and see where they're coming from. And when you do, 
you're going to be, you're going to have to have such a love for these people, anyone, because you're going to see the brokenness where they're coming from. So that's what John the Baptist was doing. He was loving people and telling people, man, don't go down that route. God has so much for you. He loves you so much. And if you're here tonight and that's you, God loves you. He loves you. Don't believe the hype of what people say about God. He loves you to death of the cross. Hold on. I got to wipe my face. Okay. So then it says this. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, He is a voice shouted in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. So now here's John the Baptist. He's, he's preparing the way for Jesus. And another gospel says to make it the crooked path straight. So back in those days when a king would come, let's say if a king was here in El Monte and he wants to roll out to, to Los Angeles. Back in those days, you know, there's trails, there's skinny roads, there's switchbacks, um, there's potholes, you know, in the road, there's no bridges, whatever it is, a king would roll like a rapper, right? They would roll with the entourage. They got their security so they don't get robbed out on the road. They got cars, they got their wives, they got security, they got their cooks, they got the whole crew. So if they were going to go to L.A., they would be like, you got to make the crooked path straight. So we got to make a straight path for the king to get there and a safe path. So if there's any potholes, fill them in. If there's needed bridges, make a bridge. If there's a mountain in its way, level it. If it's a crooked path, straighten it out. Make it a straight path for the king to get there in safety, right? And in the same way, John the Baptist, his life, the way he lived his life, the way he talked, the way he conducted himself, the man who he was, and the way he carried himself, when you looked at him, you knew something was different, and it was a straight path to Jesus, when you looked at him, he would, there was no potholes that would trip him up or nothing in the way. You would see him, and you would see it was a straight path of Jesus. And he, and when I look at our lives, what we have to decide is, are we a straight path to Jesus, or are we making the crooked path, or are we making the straight path crooked for people to see Jesus? How are we living our lives? What are we doing at work? Are we, are we like laughing at all the dirty jokes? Are we cussing like a sailor? Are we going out, you know, drinking it up? Are we watching pornography? Are we acting a fool? We're walling out. How are we acting? When people look at our lives, are they seeing Jesus? Or are they like, this dude says he's a Christian, but I don't, like, I don't know. It's like you're tripping them up. You're putting like a mountain in their way where they can't even see Jesus. But you talk the talk, but you're not walking the walk. And you know who did that in the Bible? You know who the biggest poser in the Bible is? I'm a skateboarder, so like the last thing I ever want to be is a poser. Imagine that, like a wannabe, a fake poser. So my last chapter is called No Posers. The biggest poser in the Bible was Judas. Judas. He went to the most epic Bible studies. He heard the word of God, Jesus, speaking. He saw the signs and wonders. He saw him feed the 5,000. He saw the miracles. He saw everything. He walked, he walked the walk. He talked the talk. And even at the end, Jesus is like, there's one of you guys going to deceive me. And they're like, who is it, Jesus? Who is it? They didn't even know he was such a good poser. He was the best in the business. And guess what? Judas was the biggest poser in the Bible. He talked to Christianese. He did the whole thing. He looked it. But he was a total fraud. Let us not be posers. Then going on, it says this. You guys cool? Yeah. All right. All right. Hey, it's gnarly. It's gnarly. <laughs> but it's good for us. I, I need this. 
It says this, John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist, and for food, he ate locusts and honey. When I think about this, he was a Nazarite. He probably had big old dreadlocks or something because, you know, the Jewish people, they got really curly hair, very windy, very dusty in that area, very windy, dusty, probably big locks. If not, I don't know, maybe a comb as a, as a fish, fish bones or something. Who knows? He reminds me of like the Geico commercial caveman, basically, when I read this. His diet was sketchy, ate locusts and honey. That's disgusting. Um, but really, when you read about this dude, like when you think about him, he was a simple guy. He was just like an outdoorsman, you know, a guy that lived up in the mountains or whatever. Like he lived off the land. He was just a, he was just an outdoor, simple guy. That's the best way you can explain this guy. And then he goes on to say, people from Jerusalem and from all over the Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. So now here they are. They're getting affected by his message because it was a message of love, right? Tell them that the king loves them and he's coming. Get ready. And then they would confess and then he would baptize them. There was a spiritual revival happening in the nation of Israel with the common folks. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Whoa, imagine this. This is gnarly, okay? You got the ballers, the city boys coming in, right? They're Louis Vuitton, chilling, Benny Hen gear. Um, they come in from the city. They're the religious leaders, city folks. They come out, and then all of a sudden, this savage-looking guy is like, you brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove it by the way you live. They're probably like, who the heck is this caveman telling us? We're the, we're the Pharisees. We're the, we're the religious leaders. Who is this guy talking to us all crazy like that? So he puts these guys on blast. And now the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Pharisees were the religious leaders that God put there in the nation. But what happened is they just they didn't even want to touch sinners. They didn't want to be around them. They were, they were just like, you know, away from the people, basically. Separated. They didn't want to touch them, but they wanted all the respect. And let us not ever become like Pharisees. Sometimes when you become a Christian, you get saved out of radical stuff. And then all of a sudden, like I remember there was a point I got saved, and then all of a sudden I was learning so much, and I wasn't sinning like I was, and I was like, dang, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Check my life out. People need to know what a Christian looks like. Check me out. You know, you could go through that little pharisaical thing for a minute. Something, if we're honest, you know, you start thinking like, I'm doing it pretty good. Let us not ever be Pharisees. We always got to remember where we came from. And that's where I got myself, where I came from. That's how good I am. That's where I got myself. It's God's goodness. It's God's grace. It's the Holy Spirit working in us where we're at now. And it's just his grace on our life, whatever he does. We're nothing without him. We'll never be anything without him. It's everything that he's doing in our life. So let us not become like the Pharisees. So Jesus had some interesting words to say about the Pharisees. So John says, you brood of snakes. Basically, you slimy snakes coming up here, spitting all this poison into the people. Jesus called um, the, the Pharisees hypocrites. They were corrupt tax. They were, they were ripping off God's people. He even called them, you fools. He even called them, you blind guides. Called them out big time. Jesus Christ was punk rock. If you don't believe it, I have a chapter in my book. It's called Punk Rock Jesus. And it talks all about it. Read it for yourself. And I put the illustrations of what Jesus did. I'm like, you tell me if he wasn't punk rock. I'm not talking about he was rolling around with a green mohawk. 
I'm talking like he went against the whole system. He went against the whole religious system. That's why they wanted to crucify him because he wasn't obeying their man-made rules and regulations. Did you know that? Some of you guys didn't. Some of you guys didn't know that. Yes, Jesus Christ was punk rock. Okay, so he called these guys out. He called them whitewashed tombs. When you go to Israel, you'd see a tomb on the side of the floor or the side of the wall, just like in the movies, a round tomb where they would roll the rock and it's bleached white. But what's inside that blue, that tomb? It's dead bones. Jesus was saying, you guys look all white and shiny on the outside, all clean. But inside, you're like dead bones. You're corrupt and dead and you stink. Jesus was calling them out. He wasn't having it. And then it says this. John says, don't just say to each other, we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Basically, what he's saying here to you guys tonight, you know, if you're here and you're like, I'm like, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm, I'm American. I'm born in America. Christian nation. Or my mom and dad are leaders in the church. They eat with Manny and his wife. I'm a Christian. They're good friends with them. Dude, I give money to the church. I'm a Christian. I go to all the men's conferences. I've been to all the youth groups since I was a kid. Me and the youth pastor are like this. And my mom and dad are Christians. I'm a Christian. Prove it by the way you live. Prove it by the way you live. That doesn't mean nothing. You're not a Christian unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're living that spirit-led life. That's when you're a Christian. Did you know in Antioch, before, before they, there was this name Christian, they used to be called the Way. The Way was the, the name of Jesus and his disciples. But in Antioch, which is like the Las Vegas of that time, they named this word, it was a derogatory word, Christians, stupid Christians. It was basically, it, if you were called a Christian, it's because they acted like Christ, but it was a derogatory name. But this is my question to you. Are you a Christian? Do you act like Christ? Because if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Remember the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Elohim, the Trinity. We are there, are one. If you have God's Spirit in you, then you should be acting Christ-like. If you're not acting Christ-like, are you a Christian? I don't think so. Because if you have the Holy Spirit in you, the job of the Holy Spirit is to purge and destroy everything that is unholy. The Holy Spirit illuminates your mind. The power of the Holy Spirit, because you have God's Spirit in you, you don't want to go out and do these things. You make mistakes, yes, but through the grace and mercy, you come in and you say, God, forgive me, and you try to do better. You don't make it a habit of sinning, because then you're not Christ-like if you have God's Spirit in you. So then it says this, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to serve the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist is shooting straight right here about trees. Well, I'm going to flip over here a couple pages to chapter 5 where Jesus, all the red text in the Bible is Jesus' voice. Let's see what Jesus says about trees. We're getting to the end here. It says this. I'm going to start up in, ch- in number uh, verse 31. It says, you, can, uh, you have heard the law. Hold on. Is that the right one? Nope. Wrong page. Chapter 7. I normally speak with a lapel, so I have the mic this time. Okay, here we go. It says this. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Okay, so to get to hell, 
the gates are really wide. So it's very easy, right? It says are really broad, and its gates are wide, for many choose that way. So how do you get to hell? You choose to go there. You don't have to go there. People choose to go to hell. Now, this is Jesus' words, okay? So hold on to it tight. He says this, But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only few ever find it. Okay, so to get to heaven, it's narrow, and it's difficult. Why is it difficult? Because Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple or my followers, you've got to turn from your selfish ways, which is your body appetites. You've got to pick up your cross daily and follow me. So that means you have to turn away from the shiny objects. You've got to flip a U-turn. You've got to repent, and you need to go to Christ, where you can go boldly through the throne of grace, and God will forgive you and cleanse you. But there has to be a transformation process, and that's what makes you a Christian. And through that, that's why it's so difficult to get there. Why? Because people don't want, they want to live for me, 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 and I, I, I. So then it says this, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as sheep, harmless as sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. You can, can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from a thistle? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. A bad tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Remember what I was saying earlier? How are we acting? What are we, how are we living our life? Are we a good tree or a bad tree? You could decide that yourself. Then, this is the verse that really sketches me out. It's when Jesus says, Not everyone who calls on me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus says, If you see me, you've seen the Father. Me and the Father are one. So if we are obeying God and following God and living for Christ, then we will enter. But they didn't enter because they didn't, they didn't obey the Father. On judgment day, they will say, many, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law, or you workers of iniquity in the King James, it says. So these people... Well, they're doing signs and wonders. They're prophesying. That means the gift that they have the Holy Spirit at one time and words of knowledge are coming. They're prophesying. They're casting out demons. You can't cast out a demon unless you have the Holy Ghost in you. Okay? So these people at one time were filled with the Spirit. They were moving in the Spirit. They were walking with God, Spirit-led. But then, according to this, he says, you workers of iniquity, you who break God's law, they got trapped up in the shiny objects. They got the lures hooked into them. They went back to their old sinful life, just like people in here during the pandemic. You had idle time, and you went back to those old things that you got set free from before. And God's got a grip. You're in church now, but you're entangled in the shiny objects, the lures. The master fisherman, Satan, has got a hold of you, and you haven't been broken free yet, and you need to get delivered and you need to get set free tonight so this in closing jesus says this john says i baptize you with water those who repent of their sins and turn to god but someone is coming 
soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and the wind fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gather the wheat into the, bur- into the barn, and burn up the chaff with a never-ending fire. So here he's talking about water baptism. When we repent of our sins and we confess and we say, God, I'm done. I'm not going back to that old life. I fully repented. And you want to make a public statement. You get baptized. You go into the water. And if you're a dirty, you're a dirty sinner. We'll hold you under a little bit longer like my dad did. He, when he baptized me, he was like, nah, get him back down there. In a freezing cold pool in middle of December. I remember it vividly. And uh, you come up out of the water. And the, and the water represents the grave. You leave that old Ryan Reese in the grave, and you come up with the water on you, which is the living water, the Holy Spirit, new spirit-led life. Then, when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8 says, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, Acts 1.8, don't leave Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive that dunamis power. That's where we get our word dynamite. That dynamite explosion power. And through the baptism and the fire of the Holy Spirit, it's not where you catch on fire and you run around and you're like, I'm on fire! But the Holy Ghost! And you start running around doing backflips in church. What it is, it's a refining fire. And it hurts. It's when you're like, I have a porn addiction. And you're like, all right, I'm going to stop porn. And your body's like, no. Because God created sex and sex feels good. Guess what? Why do people do drugs? Because they feel good. Why do people do different sins? Because guess what? It feels good. The Bible says sin is, is, is good for a season. It's fun for a season. But then what happens, it's like cotton candy. I, I was just at Knott's Berry Farm. I love cotton candy. I love the pink cotton candy. So every time I go somewhere, I buy the pink cotton candy and I take a big bite of the cotton candy. And what happens is I put a big old thing in my mouth and what happens instantly? It turns into little pebbles and disappear. It's like false. It looks like it's going to be filling. I put a big bite in and it's emptiness. And I take another big bite of the cotton candy and I take another bite. And what happens with the cotton candy is I get through half the bag and next thing you know, I'm sick. I'm sick, and I don't want it, and I just want to give it away to, to whoever. I don't want another bite. And that is exactly what sin does. Chuck Smith used to say the story about cotton candy. And basically what happens is the wages of sin is death. Sin looks fun. You take big bites of it, and then what happens is you get sick and empty in your life. So the refining process of the Holy Spirit is... What he does is he comes and he burns out that stuff out of your life as you allow him, as you keep reading the word of God. The word of God will keep manifesting in you, and God will start removing this stuff out and burning it out. But the more you kill it, the more you murder the flesh. Acts 1.8 says, or, uh, uh, Romans 8.13 says, if, ye, if only in the King James Version, if ye, if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye live after the Spirit and mortify the deeds of the flesh, ye shall live. Mortify means to self-inflict pain. That means we have to kill the flesh. We have to murder the flesh. We have to hang it to the cross so we can live through the power of the Holy Spirit, the rejuvenation of the Holy Ghost in our life. So that is the fire, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the gifts operate, and you start laying hands on the sick, and they recover, and you cast out demons and get words of knowledge and all that awesome stuff that happens when you are surrendered to God, and he uses you in a powerful way. Then Jesus went from Galilee 
to the Jordan River and to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. Here's Jesus in full submission to the Father. Not my will, but his will be done. He was about his Father's business. After he baptized them, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, settling on him, and a voice from heaven spoke, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So basically what happened here is you have the Father and the Son working together and the Holy Spirit, the Elohim, just like in Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word God is Elohim in the original language. That's God's, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The beginning of the New Testament, you have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together, the Elohim. God loves you guys. He has a plan for you, and God wants to set you guys free today. And I'm going to end it like this. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know how the pandemic has affected you guys. But I was in a perfect storm about, for about eight months. I, I, so I, I run the Whosoever's Movement. I do ministry, do radio show and tour and stuff. Do the book as well. During that time, I was doing the book. But I also run a footwear and apparel company. I do uh, footwear and apparel for, for big companies, right? Like high-volume stuff. So during this pandemic, it was like this perfect storm happened. I was touring. I, was, I just finished the book. It was about to get released. Um, I was having all these, these, these issues with business and just, it was all these things coming together and I literally like burned out. I can't explain it. I couldn't feel nothing. I was sitting in my room at night, flooded with fear. Like I never felt floods of fear before. Like I literally felt I was drowning in fear. I was getting anxiety. I was getting depressed. All this crazy stuff was going on. There was a season. It wasn't for nine months where I was feeling all this, but it all boiled down to this moment within this week where literally it got so intense. My wife was putting my kids through swim school in Orange County. I was living with my parents because we, we, we sold our place. So it was just all these, like, all these things happening. Just all this, my life was like out of whack. And during this time, I was isolated by myself for like a, for like a weekend at my parents' house. And the enemy came in. Satan came in to sift me. And you know how we're connected to the most hi-fi God? And as we read the Bible, we're able to bounce the scriptures off of what is truth and lies. Remember, Satan, Lucifer, he has the hi-fi. So he shoots those fiery darts into our mind with the hi-fi. But because, thank God for pastors teaching the Bible and listening to K-Wave every morning and being in the scriptures, I had that truth that I had the, the most hi-fi downloading the scriptures that when the enemy was coming with the most with the Li-Fi, I was I was able to navigate between what was truth and what was not. But literally the enemy was deceiving me to quit ministry, forget the book, to do don't walk away from God, do your business, make money, you know, just provide for your family, but walk away from all the ministry stuff and and leave your wife, leave your kids, support them, but leave them. And he was trying literally to to get rid of me. I never lost love for my 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 wife or my kids. I just couldn't feel anything. I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced this. It was like burnout. It was anxiety. It was like overworked. It was like no feeling, floods of fear. It was the darkest time I've ever had in my life. I can't even explain it. It was so it was so crazy. And I know there's people in here that has been affected by this. 
And, and literally, I put in my two weeks notice at the whosoever's and ministry, and I was walking away from everything. And I told my wife, I said, dude, I, I, I just, I, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to leave you guys. I, I, I was just being deceived by Satan. And I just remember um, just being in this very, very, very crazy place in my life. But God, I just kept reading the scriptures, and I kept praying. I kept asking God, and God got me through this season. He brought me through, and what I was seeing is that all Satan wanted to do is he was trying to deceive me, and he was trying to get me off course. And, and, and now I know where people that want to commit suicide, because you just want peace. You're like, if I could just end it right now, it'll all be good. I had that light from Satan. Just end all your family, all that stuff. Walk away from ministry, and you'll have peace, and everything will be good. And it was a total lie because I was telling Manny, if I would have left my family and went after my business, so what I'm doing good in my business, but then all of a sudden my wife marries another guy. My kids are getting raised by another guy. Maybe I'll never see my kids again. Who knows what's going to happen? That is going to destroy me. It doesn't even matter about my other business. I would be depressed and miserable forever. But Satan, his tactics, his shiny objects, his lures, he hates your guts. But because I'm a man of the word and I kept reading, I kept praying, and I was disciplined to do that daily devotion, God got me through this storm. And this is the verse that got me through right here. And it's more potent than any verse right now in this season of my life. This is the verse that I came across. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching... And follows it is wise, like a person who builds their house on the solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on the rock. Jesus is the rock. The word of God is the rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish, like a person who builds their house on the sand. When the rains and the floods come and the wind beats against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I didn't crash. I didn't collapse because I built my house on the rock. If you're here and you're not a Christian, maybe you are a Christian. You're in a dry season. Maybe you walked away from God. Maybe you're entangled up in, in, in shiny objects and webs. Maybe you're just like, dude, I don't know. I just need God to touch my life today. Maybe you need prayed for healing anything. I'm going to pray over everybody that comes up here right now. I'm going to lead you back to the Lord or lead you to the Lord. And I'm going to pray for to break depression, anxiety, suicide, to get the enemy to get off your back. I want to pray for you. So everyone that needs prayer, a blanket statement, I want you to come up here right now and I'm going to pray for you. And God's going to touch your life today. I guarantee it. This is for everyone, whoever. If you're a Christian and you're like, I'm struggling. I'm going to pray for you. If you're not a Christian and you're like, dude, I need peace. I need feeling. I need to be touched by God. I'm entangled. I need you to touch my life. That's what this is about today. And the reason why I call you up is so you just step out by faith because you're like, I want it. I want it, God. I want you to do it. And that's why you come up. You step out by faith. It's like Peter. He stepped out of the boat by faith and he lived the impossible. I'm going to ask God to do something special tonight. And even after we get done here, I'm going to be around hanging out. Even if there's some of you guys that, that have some illnesses or there's aches and pains and stuff going on in your back and you need prayer, I'm going to lay hands on people too because there's something about laying hands on people too that God does stuff as well. I know there's more. I'm going to have them sing a song right now. And as the Holy Spirit touches your heart and speaks to you, come up here. And if you're scared to come up, grab your friend and bring them up too. 
But don't miss this moment. God's going to touch your life tonight. I guarantee it. Okay. All right. So this is what's awesome. Because this isn't dead religion, it's not just a bunch of words. All you're going to do is you're going to ask, you're going to confess. You're just going to say, God, forgive me my sins. And I'm going to lead you in the prayer. There's nothing special about my prayer. It's you being real with God, asking for forgiveness and asking him to feel you. And then he's going to do it. And it's that simple. And then I'm going to pray over you guys after, okay? So let's just say this all together because we're all family. And just mean it in your heart. Say, Jesus, Jesus. forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Baptize me with the fire and the power. Make me new in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I just pray right now over every single person that's here. Lord Jesus, split the sky. I know your spirit is here, but Lord, we ask for more. Split the sky and dump your Holy Spirit. Pour out in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to hold, to be true to what your word says, that you will fill them, Lord. So I ask right now for a fresh feeling of your Holy Spirit. Anyone that has any emptiness inside them, God, I pray that you just fill them with the living water. Cleanse them with the living water. Wash them with the blood that was shed on the cross, making them white as snow. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will break any demonic strongholds the Bible talks about or footholds that have been connected to people through Ouija boards tarot cards, astrology, open himself up through yoga, supernatural films, even the Harry Potter stuff, the stuff that they've been reading, they've been doctrinized, having the doctrines of demons, the stuff that they've opened themselves to that they don't know. But God, that is creation. You are creator. So break that off of them right now in Jesus' name. Those ones that have been dealing with depression, anxiety, even fogginess, and even like tiredness. That is from the spiritual warfare. Uh, Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness of the unseen world. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you break off any of that demonic stuff off of them now. Set them free. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, reign. Bring freedom to this room. Lord, I pray that you break chains of pornography off people, Lord. People that are entangled in pornography as it's a strong, potent thing that, that the enemy will just grip you with and it'll dement your mind and distort it and hold you. God, break that right now in Jesus' name and deliver them the way you delivered me 13 years ago from that, which is a miracle, Lord. Lord, I pray for people that have been struggling with cigarettes and they've been wanting to get set free. Cigarettes will not take them to hell, but it'll make them smell like hell. Lord, in Jesus' name, break that off them. That was something that was so hard for me, God, to get delivered from, but you can do it, Lord. Do it now in Jesus' name. Lord, I also pray for broken hearts, marriages, divorce, chaos at home, spousal abuse, stuff that had happened to them when they were young that they weren't in control of God. You know those broken hearts, Lord, that are here, and you see, and you know everything, God. And there's stuff that was not their fault, Lord. So I pray in Jesus' name, you are the great physician. You are the healer. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you touch people's hearts. Lord, right now, let them just encounter your love, Lord, fill their hearts, God, with the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that joy and that love and that peace. Jesus, you said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you peace and rest for your soul. That literally translates like all of you that are stressed, all of you that have anxiety, come to me. And with God, they are here. Lord, release peace 
right now over them, God. Just let flow from their head to their feet, Lord. Fill them up, God. More of your love. More of your peace. More of your joy, Lord. Break off all addictions, those ones that are struggling with their sexual identity, Lord. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you just let them know that you love them, Lord. And I ask, Lord, even give them a picture. There's the gift of visions. Give them a picture in their mind right now. Just show them how you see them, Lord. How you see them. Just let them know. And that will be a supernatural work that you do in the natural realm, just confirming that you're real and you see them in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for the prodigals, the sons, the husbands, the daughters, the the wives that have left and went away to the world, to the shiny objects. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you keep them safe. Send your warrior angels to be with them and protect them. But more important, Jesus, you be with them. Holy Spirit, draw them back. Bring them home. Bring clarity to what's going on in their life, that it's no good out there, that they could be unique and be who they are and live in freedom without the bondage of the chains and destruction. Lord, I pray for marriages that you reunite, marriages that are broken through in the pandemic, Lord. God, I pray that you bring finances and provision to families that are going through it, that need you to show up. God, bring jobs to people, Lord. Just whatever people need so they can make their rent and their mortgage or gas or whatever. I don't know, Lord. You know, Lord. Lord, I pray for blessings over the pastor, his wife, his family. Lord, I pray for blessings over all the families represented here and their extended families. Lord, I pray that you continue to provide for this church, God, and that you will do great things that will revival will break out in this church and continue to bless this church. In the mighty name of Jesus, and I pray for healing. Lord, when I read in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, even uh, Acts, it's like healing, healing, demon possession, healing, 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 demon possession, healing, healing, healing. Word of God, word of God, word of God. There's so many healings. Why? Because you are a healer. So in Jesus' name, I pray for healing of backs, necks, spines, knees, tendons, muscles, lungs that have blood clots from the COVID, uh, cancer, liver, any disease. God, I just pray a blanket prayer that you make people whole right now in the mighty name of Jesus. If there's anything that is from the demonic realm that's causing this pain or dysfunction in their life, like it says in the scriptures, there was demonic healings. Demons were causing this stuff. If it's demonic, in Jesus' name, we command you to leave off of them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask now for a supernatural touch of healing Pain go in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you just heal in Jesus' name. And anything that happens here, it's you. It's you because you're king and you reign and you are the physician. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.